Being a superhero is bad for your health. Now that you're here, why don't you stay a while? The coffee's all brewing. Here on Carla's Coffee House, HGV Canada. Stick around, we're gonna have a good time tonight. And welcome to the show, everybody. This is Carla's Coffee House, and we got a special one for you tonight. We are gonna have Brenda Lee Ranta, who is from Timmins, Ontario, on the show. Um, she's gonna be talking about her writing career. Uh, I think Brenda has just basically got involved in this in the last probably I don't even want to count because in the, it's going to show me up and I'm going to go frig has it been that long so maybe I won't um, but before we get started uh, we got a little news here for you um, um, I am lost but making good time that's your news right there you got it right you know what I'm saying <laughs> I know what I'm saying do little trailer park boys <laughs> okay so i'll get into this i didn't have a show sunday night so i'm all lost you know <laughs> all right so we're gonna play one of brenda's favorite um songs uh she's she's got a few we're gonna start it with uh, gordon lightfoot a very canadian way to go eh so we're gonna start with gordon with if you could read my mind these are some of brenda's songs that she found very inspirational um and gordon definitely is an inspiration the guy is a poet and he's a canadian icon so in the meantime take a listen to this i'm going to give brenda a call on the phone we're going to get this show on the road if you could read my mind love what a tale my thoughts could tell just like an old time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet You know that ghost is me And I will never be set free As long as I'm a ghost You can't see I could read your mind, love What a tale your thoughts could tell Just like a paperback novel The kind the drugstore sells When you reach the part Where the heartaches come The hero would be me the heroes often fail Cause the ending's just too hard to take I walk away like a movie star 
gets burned in a three-way script Into number two A movie queen to play the scene Of bringing all the good things out in me But for now, love, let's be real I never thought I could act this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back If you could read my mind, love What a tale my thoughts could tell Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet The story always in If you read between the lines You'll know that I'm just trying to understand The feelings that you lack Never thought I could feel this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back back on the air i'm just giving brenda a call here right now one ring-a-dingy hello hi brenda how are you i'm good how are you <laughs> good uh just to warn you we're live so don't swear at me <laughs> okay, no problem. i'll try not to <laughs> so i gotta ask the obvious question are you froze up up there in timmins right now well, actually, today, Carla, is the first day in um, maybe a week. We were down to minus 50. It was it was like living in Siberia and uh, literally housebound. And, yeah, it wasn't pleasant. No. So we're coming out of it, and we're very, very happy about that. <laughs> I remember being up, I think it was my first year living in Timmins, and we had that, I think it was minus 49 or something for, like, a complete week, and I thought I was going to die. It, you could not get the house warm. There was ice friggin' forming on the hinges of the door, and I was sitting in goose down, hoping that I'd make it. <laughs> oh, it was, it was awful. We, uh, you know, you got a car plugged in, and it killed the car anyway, and we had to send it out on a flatbed. And yeah, it's just been a comedy of horrors, so I'm, I'm very glad we're coming out of that. Yes. So, how is it where you are? Well, we, it was pretty cold for here too. Like usually, you know, we're, you know, the, they get kind of burr at snippy about minus uh, 12, but we went down to wind chill and minus 27 there for a couple of days. Ooh, that's not pleasant either. <laughs> no, I said, but it's still warmer than it, you know, it could be elsewhere. So I was okay with it. No, you weren't here. So you missed that. <laughs> yeah. I said like, it's, I'm not in Timmins. I'm okay. <laughs> Oh, so Brenda, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do, 
and a little bit about your life and uh, we'll get into what it is uh, that sparked you to become an author. Well, you know what, Carla? I think I was always an author. (laughs) I have been writing since I was seven. My mother, um, a couple of months ago, found a poem in in a trunk and she said, listen to this and she's reading my mother's 80 she's reading this to over the phone and I was only seven and she's I've got piles of these and you know I guess I just always I've always written so it just was something that progressed and uh, it was more of a journal keeping and, and an anthology of my life that I just kept for my own sake and I was very very fortunate that late in life just prior to my retirement that uh, a publishing company really took an interest in my writing, and I feel really blessed about that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, and I really, I just want to put this out there. I don't know how many other poets or writers are listening, but I have to say that, generally speaking, um, writers and poets have a certain sadness, or they've had a hard life, or they, you know, they had to learn from the school of hard knocks, and I think it, it was cathartic for most of us to get it on paper, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's how that all began. That's so true. You know, I had a myself like I I started off writing similar to what, and then I just went to music. I don't know why. Um, that's for the psychologist to figure out later, I guess. <laughs> but. There is that real sadness, though, isn't there, that sometimes you can't seem to get away. I had a friend, uh, another colleague of mine, music colleague, say to me, do you ever write a love song? And I said, I don't know how. (laughs) It's funny. I love your stuff, though. It's so down home and honest. I love it. Well, thank you very I, much. <laughs> I, know, I really appreciate that about you. I, I think that most songwriters or lyricists, uh, one, my partner, my final chapter, I call him, um, he's a musician and he was writing lyrics. And when we got together, I said, this is nothing more than poetry. You just put it to music. And when, you, and when I read it back to him, he was kind of astounded, and he has also been published since uh, I hooked him up with my publisher because uh, he's quite talented as well. But I, he hears music differently than me. He, because he's a drummer, he hears the quality of the music. I was a trained singer um, years ago, and I had learned arias and whatnot. So I learned to sing the words with emotion. So I'm more trained to hear the words outside of the melody, if you know what I mean. And I think that's my poetic brain. Um, He's just tuned into that just very recently now uh, to take the music out of it and just look at the work for standing on its own. But I think the greatest songs are a combination of beautiful poetry and amazing music, you know, and and, uh, those are the ones we remember. Absolutely, and we've we've got an example here later on in the show of... of just that which is Leonard Cohen who was basically a poet and uh, he was the first one I think um, at least in Canada that we know of that combined music um, as background for his poetry (laughs) and it just turned into something amazing when he did that my hero, God bless him. Um, I'm so sad he's gone. I've read everything. And I'm right now reading a final book. Um, his son, actually, Adam, put together because his dad was working on a book called The Flame. 
And it's a compilation. Uh, Leonard, like me and most poets, had actually vaults full of notebooks. Notebooks, just volumes of these. And I guess after his death, they got their hands on all these various notebooks and put together never seen work. And um, it's really incredible. He's pretty cryptic, though, as a writer. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'm reading. I'm going, buddy, I don't know what you're talking about, but it's beautiful lyrically, right? Um, but he, he's, he was an amazing artist. I think we're really blessed to call him Canadian and ours. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of that. I love that. that. That's something right there in poetry. And I want to discuss this with you a little bit. Um, in my earlier days when I did write poetry a lot more, um, some, some of the things that were said back to me, and you just mentioned it, was the fact that um, I'm a very shy person, like about my own emotions and my own thoughts. And, you know, our day and age too, like even when, when I was growing up, people were very opinionated. So I didn't like getting attacked for my opinion. So if I had a deep emotion, poetry was such an amazing tool because you could get cryptic, say what you needed to say, get it off your chest, and somebody else, you know, listens to it. They don't have a sweet clue what you were talking about, but it sounded good to them, right? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, there's there's like a double entendre, but not everybody's going to catch that. I'm a more in-your-face writer. I got my freedom, and I call it my freedom in my wings. When I turned 60, like 59, 60, I started to say, no, I, I don't want people to guess about what I'm saying. So I'm more in your face than I've ever been. I think that's really freeing for me now. Um, and I'm not afraid to share my work. I'm right now finishing another manuscript that... I cried through 90% of writing it. <laughs> so I'm really putting myself out there. But, um, yeah, Leonard Cohen, genius, absolutely. And every book that I've read is, they're all so different in nature. Um, he was so diverse and, and what a complex mind. Um, his final song that uh, you wanted darker, it just blew my mind. I think that is... What a way to end your career, because that was like the pinnacle of probably the best written work I have ever read. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. <clears throat> wow, yeah, I know it's it's wonderful to have um, somebody to mentor you, like even if they're not really physically there, but their work mentors you and you get to think about it and it influences and almost frees you in a way too to give you permission to say, you know, I can do that too. And you're, you've said you've got a manuscript published, so you've done poetry, and now you're doing another type of creative writing as well? Well, I have actually got <clears throat> four books out. Um, I've, I've been published four times now. Uh, my first one was in 2016 uh, called Myriad of Perceptions, and basically it was a compilation of my favorite pieces, and that was actually the manuscript I submitted to CTU Publishing, and they signed me up, gave me a contract. Um, I followed that the following year with Allegories, uh, A Thirst for Connection. And that was ironically falling on the heels of the American election. And I had felt this whole void of compassion. And um, what's the word I'm looking for? Everybody was very um, 
apathetic, it seemed to me. Suddenly, women's rights doesn't matter. Uh, there was the bigotry was ignoring its head and, and whatever. And I started to and, and to judge people by their culture, their religion, their skin color, and it was really ticking me off. It was like we were going backwards in time. So I wrote allegories. Um, having worked in the police business for 21 years, I have studied people, and I always try to maintain my humanity for each of those souls, because each of those souls had a story. And I thought, I'm going to write this book um, from a perspective, like take a look at what's going on and have, have a, feel your heart again. Start to feel, get in touch with those feelings of, oh my God, like that's awful, or this is, that person suffered because of this, or that child is in care because of something that happened at home. And that's really sad, real sad for that child. And um, I, I'm just, uh, that book didn't get as much attention as the first one, and I'm really saddened because the whole, maybe people were just not in an empathetic mood, I don't know, but um, I was really extremely proud of that book because I, gleaned um, much of the work from having been an observer of people and um, yeah so that happened in the summer of 2017 meanwhile I had been working on a, an actual autobiography a book novel and I had been working on it for a couple of years and it's a true story um, in regards to a very mystical relationship that I'm presently in how it came to be and it's just like all the moons and the stars in the sky lined up and it was just, there was a lot of really strange things that occurred. And I share that story, which is really honest. Um, that was a, my first novel. And uh, I, what a feeling of accomplishment when that book came, when my box of books came to my door and I held that book in my hand because it was uh, like my heart in the book, basically. Wow. And then, yeah, and then I recently just got published again in November. My newest book is called Heart Sounds, Murmuring. And basically what that one is, it's, I write every day, every single day. So it, I went through almost a year and a half of writing, and I wanted to see a chronology in order and in real time. And it's like watching yourself grow as a person just how your opinions change and how you're feeling emotionally at that time. Um, and yeah, that's my newest book. I'm really, really happy with it. It's not a big book. It's a nice, easy read, but the poems um, inside are really, um, I get these slivers of these epiphanies when I meditate in the morning. Little epiphanies will come to my mind, and I've also got them inserted within the book, and I call them murmurings. Um, like they come from my heart, little murmurings. And, um, so yeah, I, I really liked the last book, but I just finished just last night, actually did the very final piece for a book that I call hairline fractures. And, um, with the me too movement movement, um, and a lot of misogyny in the world and women, finding that we're having to almost pedal backwards and whatnot. I wanted to get my story out there. There's so many of us with stories to tell, very painful stories, uh -huh. but how you, how you can come out the other side. And uh, that's basically 
what this new collection of poems is about, and uh, it's pretty honest. So if there are women out there looking for Me Too subjects, um, Hairline Fractures will be the next one um, that I'm hoping to publish. Well, can you give us an um, excerpt and do a reading for us um, from one of, of each of your published material, like from the, the 2016, something from that, and just kind of walk us through the progression of what happens uh, to an author. Okay, well, I have to get my other two copies up here. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one in front of me, and that's my, my last one that was published. We can maybe go backwards. Sure, and, we can uh, go backwards. Let's do that, too. Okay. Um, this is uh, something I wrote very shortly before retiring. And I think anybody that's worked in any kind of field for a very long time comes to this conclusion, comes to this very same feeling. And uh, and I did retire within months of writing this. So it's called Contemplation. It is my 20th year at the same workplace. My hands function as a blind person, closing, opening drawers for pens, staplers, paper clips, folders, hands in motion, mind numb from the countless years of repetitiveness. This morning is passing, tasks being completed while I look consciously, right, I'm sorry, while I can't consciously recall their execution. People driving to work each day, same route, same hours, same amnesia about how they got there to their magical parking spaces. In between our rote duties, I'm alive somewhere else. In the art I wish to paint, the words I wish to scribe, a stanza for a poem, a hug I crave right now, a road trip with my man, great music, wind blowing through my hair. Is it not irony? that we will exchange thousands of hours from our life in order to maintain this dream of truly being alive. Whoa! And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think we, we get there if we've been in a long-term um, employment, and it's not that we don't appreciate our jobs or we haven't had a... It hasn't provided us with a life and fed our kids. And, but you get to a point where your heart starts to sing for more. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I was at. And I think, I, Carla, what you've been doing with your life the past few years, I think that's you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I really admire what you've been doing. I think it's just wonderful letting your heart be free and do what makes your heart sing. And, um, it yeah, is. that's it's... what that piece was about. It's a very, very for for myself. It's a it's quite an intense subject because I think I was actually talking with a coworker about this in the last couple of days. Like, you know, I'm not. I don't care about status. I don't care about those things. Like, they're not something that that's in my radar to strive for. So the monotony of doing the same thing over and over for the exchange of money, so that I can go do what I really want to do boggles my mind <laughs> that's exactly where i was at um I, I started to i developed a very bad anxiety disorder um five years ago so much so that i was at home for a year and i said okay this is crazy you know and but i continued i had to work i had to pay the bills whatever but i took an early retirement i decided this is it life is too short do what you want to do and 
writing and singing and painting and uh, I'm really lucky I live with an artist and we we're, we're all about the art and that's how we live like a couple of bohemian hippies but, you know, <laughs> can I move in <laughs> anytime honey. <laughs> there's, there's just room. just build me a little dog house beside you guys I'll be very happy <laughs> <laughs> no I'll give you your own room <laughs> Oh, I know, like, he plays drums, I have seen him play. So tell yeah, us a little he, bit about your, your, your mate there. Give us a little hint. Oh, he's always in artistic mode. In fact, right now, he's downstairs on the computer putting together his new manuscript. He's got two books out, and I encourage him always to keep, because he writes like a madman. He's a machine, and, uh, but he's very politically active, politically minded, and, uh, very observant. His poetry is completely different than mine, which I love. I love that we have such different styles of writing, and uh, certainly his is different, and it's like a play on words, and uh, I think it's uh, it comes from writing lyrics for so many years, and I had to sort of get him out of that, um, you know, because lyrics can be rhymey, yeah. I try, try writing some prose because it's really freeing. And, uh, you know, he's really into the prose now. He loves it. It's like he's discovered something completely new. And he's so good at it, Carla. <laughs> he's so good at it. So, yeah, it's great. We're always in creative mode and swapping. Okay, you read this and I'll read that. <laughs> and total feedback and... Um, I could be down in the basement painting for hours, and he's so supportive. Um, him and my daughter bought me a drafting table that I haven't painted like in 30 years. So, <laughs> yeah, life is good. Life that, is really good. That is really awesome. We're going to have to get him on the show too sometime. Um, oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, because it's really cool because of, you know, and this is why, like, I, I decided, like, why not have authors on here and writers because... I mean, we're talking music. Music is written. You know, it's it's a language of its own, like just the melody line would be. And then, you know, you get the lyrics. And a lot of, I noticed a lot of songs, sometimes I, I will sit and actually study songwriting in the sense that I will listen to how, um, and not so much the mainstream music because it, it has a formula, but I will mm -hmm. listen to other, um, like classical type of singers like, you know, possibly Neil Young, uh, Leonard Cohen. Like, how did they put the song together? And these things matter because, like, some do actually write in prose. Exactly. And I, I asked you, my partner, I said, like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Are you writing melody and then lyrics to it, or are you writing lyrics and melody to it? Um, what's really interesting, there's a band um, called Grind down in Toronto, that contacted Hugh and I to write some words, to, and he sent us just the track of his music. And we ended up, Hugh and I, writing a really cool piece. I liked working like that, actually. I really liked having the melody and getting the feel for the melody and then writing the words. That worked out really well. Um, I think people like Joni Mitchell and Leonard, they'll probably worked in reverse because... These are people that are prolific poets. Yeah. Know, and I'm thinking that I, I'm just, I, I saw Joni Mitchell 
up here just the other night we were watching her in concert uh, one of her older concerts and there, this one piece of music was the lyrics were so complicated and she was cramming in like 20 words into a couple of bars so she had to have written it in such a way the music I mean that she could do that and she had a beat for the words in order to make it fit. It was very interesting technically to listen to. And uh, yeah, so I think it's like the chicken and the egg. And I don't know how most mainstream writers or songwriters do that. Um, I'd love to sit with Neil Young or Gordon Lightfoot or any of these people. And how do you do this? Me <laughs> too. <do> <laughs> I'm still wondering how is it done. <laughs> exactly. I, I would just, like the Fitzgerald, Edmund Fitzgerald, you know? That wow. is a lot of words with Gordon Lightfoot. And how did you write that? Did you have the music first? Did you have the lyrics first? Um, like as a studier of words, I'm going, whoa, that's a lot of, that's a complicated story to tell in song. So, yeah. It is. And, you know, I want to ask him, how do you remember all them? <laughs> <laughs> when you go to play it. Exactly. Exactly. All those lyrics. The but other really that. interesting thing too, Brenda, is lyrically, is, and I thought about this one time, and I said I'd like to ask somebody that really does a lot of writing what their thoughts are on it. Stompin' Tom. He is, right. he is able, I don't know what it is. You know, I mean, he was iconic in Canada, but he would be able to take a very complicated situation like for example the the fire in the mine in Timmins at the McIntyre right. mine and he was right. able in very simple English tell that story in detail and he managed to hit all the facts and he and, and it was in rhyme yeah you know to me I find because you know when I'm trying to tell a story like that you know, when I'm trying to be all folk writer-like, you know, and impressive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, holy cow, how did he do that? That's pretty impressive. It's hard. It's very hard. I, rhyming, rhyming poetry, and you hear it a lot in song lyrics, I find it's probably very, very difficult as a songwriter because you are limited to your word choices. <clears throat> You know, it's like moon in June, and you know what I mean? Yeah. You are really limited <laughs> to your word choices. So how you would end a stanza, you've got to be cognizant. You're going to have to find a word that's going to jive with that and sound good and not hokey, right? And so I, I like prose, and I notice, like, if you see the works of Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks and these type of people that got away from the rhyming thing and let the music carry it, that's a whole different thing. Now you're in a different playing field, and... Um, I don't know that writers today are so much about the rhyming unless it's rap, but um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and yet I do like repeated stanzas and I do like when words rhyme, um, but I appreciate a prosy song that's done well. Like you take Cohen's Alleluia. Wow. <laughs> that's all I can say about that. Like, wow. Um, and there's, you know, there is some rhyming in that, but uh, I don't know how he wrote such an enormous piece, because I believe there was, initially there was like 82 verses. Can Holy. you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. And he had to, and they told him, okay, well, of course you have to cut this back for a song. And the ones that are selected were random verses. And uh, I thought, wow, 
that's fascinating. <laughs> and how do you make the cut, you know? <laughs> like when you love your work, how do you cut? Okay, I'm not going to use this in my song, but... Uh, you got 88 songs, possibly, that just came out of that. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. It was amazing. Now... Sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to ask you, um, because I don't think writers get asked this, but I'm going to ask it. Now, a friend of mine um, who actually produced my last album, he had told me that he sees music in color. That's how he, he doesn't hear music. He sees it in color. That's how he writes music. I've heard that before, and that's a gift, apparently. Apparently, it's a gift. Now, when, it is a when, yeah. when you write, and I'm going to ask you this, because this is kind of weird for like a, an author, but do you just sit with pen and let the inspiration flow, or do you have to think of a concept first? I don't even think of a concept. It is, this is a very, very strange thing that happens to me. Um, I wake up in the middle of the night, and there's, a word, there's words in my head, and that I consider like where did this come from I will love when you play your first song on the air I will go find the book in which I wrote something that would completely transcribe in my brain when I woke up it is still an anomaly to me I don't understand where it came from and once I finished it the next day I'm looking at this and I'm like where did this come from and actually googled the subject matter and it was precise I don't know where it came from because I had not no knowledge of the subject matter. So this is like uh, I think writing is uh, sort of like a prolific thing. It's it's um, mystical almost. John Lennon apparently um, had these epiphanies. Like he wrote "Imagine" in a matter of minutes. It just fell out of him. How do you write "Imagine" in a matter of minutes? I don't know, but. <laughs> He did, and uh, I studied that subject pretty much because, um, a, like a guy like Gord Downey Jr., God bless him, you know, there's another man, he just, he wrote magic on paper, and it was, his songs were amazing uh, when it's a tragically hip, so I have nothing but respect for these people that have uh, these epiphanies that just come. I don't see things in color, certainly not, and it's really, um, I know when I'm in a dry spell, when it's not coming, it's not meant to come, I've just learned to accept that, because when it does come, it comes like a cannon, it's boom, <laughs> and you, you have to write, there's just, you can, you won't sleep, um, Hugh will be up through the night, I can't sleep, I, I'm writing in my head, because words are just coming faster than... And you got to get up and get them on paper before you lose them. The lazy person, like I've done that, rolled over and I'll remember. No, you don't remember. And then you're furious. So <laughs> you have to get up when it happens um, or stop what you're doing. At the end of my career, I was writing it on like sticky notes, words, and sticking them in my wallet. I thought, I'm going to lose this. And I'd write on a sticky note and stick it in my wallet for when I got home. <laughs> I know I do that too. That's why I'm giggling. <laughs> is that right? Well, it's it's a real process, and yeah, it's inspiration is exactly that, Carla. I believe, at least for me, it is, and I guess for you, like when it comes, it's got to be noted right there and then, or you're going to lose it. 
Well, uh, I'm going to take us over to, so that you can get your manuscript, I'm going to play a little um, Neil Young, Helpless, and I also want to talk to you about, um, uh, a lot of people get writer's block, some people don't. Some people who are artistic get highs and lows of, you know, elation to depression. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that uh, when we come back, okay? Absolutely. All right. So here's some Neil Young for you guys. And this is Helpless, one of Brenda's uh, inspirational songs that she likes. And we'll be right back. Big birds fly 
And we are back, and that was Neil Young with Helpless, and uh, Brenda's going to uh, read us some excerpts here when she's ready, even though there's no rush, and um, we're going to be talking about some of the more intimate things about writing that we all want to know, and we're just too scared to ask. <laughs> like, what color is your pen? <laughs> <laughs> it's a white keyboard, or it's, uh, I do have a blue pen by my bed in a notebook, and then I have my phone. There's little scraps of work everywhere. <laughs> so did yeah, you, I did, did you... manage to retrieve my first book, and uh, I'm just going to, on page 69, Myriad of Perception, um, this was one of those mystical poems we were talking about where I'm not really sure where this one came from, but it just, and it's really weird because it's not in present day time. Anyways, it was called Secreted. Uh, and it goes as, as such. Casting her eyes upon his breastplate, never raising her face to meet his, a priestess with clay pots of offerings meant for an altar, scented oils of eucalyptus, sandalwood wafting up shall meet the gods lest she satisfy him a golden breastplate emblazoned gemstones burnt in her mind the essence filled his nostrils as she slipped past him her hand brushing his arm left him heavy with her lest she satisfy him he longed to crush her to his chest envelop her within him keeping a desire to hold his chiseled face with abandon to anoint him with oils more precious than metal be his jewel be his adornment he he was forbidden she was forbidden they were forbidden Oh, blessed sunset exiting temple, brushing his arm her white garments billowing be behind her his eyes follow her footfalls Fading quietly into the night, left to guard a tomb of emptiness, lest he satisfy them. Distant moonlight lit her. He longed with aching that hunger had never tasted, bathing in a fragrant pond, her nakedness and arching body, the lunar offering dancing for him, lest he satisfy her. With backward glance, to see his shadow in the ether, splashing cool water until it was time she take her leave, that never left, for she was his never uttering it aloud. He was forbidden, she was forbidden, they were forbidden. She forever be his offering, he forever her protector, never uttering it aloud. He was forbidden, she was forbidden, they were forbidden. And that's one of those pieces I woke up to in my head, and I don't know, for the love of God, where that came from. Oh my but, God, I'm sitting here, I'm trying not to just, you know, rudely bust out laughing because I had a dream last night that just is exactly what that you just wrote yeah, ouch. <laughs> like, oh, my mouth hung wide open and i'm like huh wow yeah that's, that is just strange i know i'm like where did that imagery come from i said i dreamt that last night what's going on <laughs> allowed to ever be together and um 
I mean, I'm going, holy moly. Like, I guess I really wasn't much reading on that subject matter ever before. So it came as quite a shock. But as I said, these things sometimes just come and you don't know where. And it's really different from my usual writing. Yeah, um, and there's so many layers to it, too, because now I'm going to have to ask for a copy of that because I'm going to have to try to figure out what I dreamt because maybe it meant more than just a bunch of jumbles. There you go. Thanks, Brenda. I think you've got this one. I do, um, yes. Yeah, so that one, I think, yeah, you'll find it. But very, very odd uh, things happen when you're writing. You just don't know where it's going to come from. You know, I find writing is is almost, uh, for lack of a better word, divine. Um, it does come inspiration, just like this one that you had. And like, who who was going? Like, I would never think in a million years I was going. I had the dream. I remembered when I woke up, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I never dreamt something like that before. Now it wasn't exactly like what you said, but there was huge elements of it there. Now, why did I dream that the the day that I'm going to be speaking with you, right? Yeah, like a precognition thing. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. And because it bugged really- me at work all day today, you know, I'm thinking about it. And I was like, wonder, wonder what that meant. Because it was one of those really strong, um, almost could feel like, uh, f- you know, objects in your dream. You know, tactile was very uh, aware in my dream. And your, your poem is very tactile. You can feel it. You can smell it. You can taste it. You know, exactly. and, and, and that's what good writing is, is about, like inspirational writing. Well, thank you. I, I thought it was probably one of my favorites, and, and it, like, it was gifted to me. I always say that when I'm gifted. I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, no, generally, that's how it works for me. It just comes. I'm. I have. I can't say I have experienced writer's block. You've mentioned that before the song, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't even look at it as a block. I think it's more a state of my emotional well-being at the time, or yeah. I'm really, really preoccupied with other events in my life, and I'm blocking the inspiration. I think we, or sometimes we're even fearful of our own writing. I think that happens to me sometimes. Is this any good? And you start doubting yourself, and everything you write seems to be caca, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you write, well, I, okay, I'm just not going to even bother to write today because this really sucks. And, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I put a lot of pressure on myself now that I'm published to produce a better quality of writing. I don't know, I guess you've noticed I do these little blurby things, though. So these are usually, I guess you saw that on, online. Um, these are things that come to me in meditation, so I'm, I'm thankful that I get that. You know, when that's happening, I'm always really thankful that I was inspired in some way to say something. But uh, it's a it's a come and go thing. Uh, that's why it takes months to put a manuscript together, uh, and uh, because the blocks will come, and I, I'll change veins. I'll, I'll go paint. I'll go do something different for a few days and change my mind. And um, it's almost yeah. like there ne- needs to be a new experience inserted, right? It's like here, like let's let's have the experience now. Let's you know express the experience through either words, painting, music, whatever. And then you've you've explored that experience. Now you got to go out and have a new experience. So in, during that time, 
you really don't write or you don't uh, you don't create the same way. That's right, exactly. And I, I think the fear uh, of, of most writers is you don't want to become repetitive. Yeah. You don't want to start using very similar stanzas or saying the same thing just said in a different way. You want to kind of keep it fresh. I mean, let's face it, uh, everything's been said by somebody, but maybe not the way you say it. But if you were saying the same thing over and over in a different way, well, then I think you're failing yourself and you really need to to go a little deeper and um, have a little more alone time or take a walk or go into nature See, see something beautiful because writing can get very dark. We're, in, we're living in a kind of a dark time geopolitically and it's really easy to get sucked under. And uh, I try, I'm trying to now use my writing for a message. Um, it's more message writing than anything saying like, people, find your empathy, you know. Um, find your love for your brother and your sister. Have respect. Um, this kind of thing. That's where I'm at right now at this date because I we've been inundated with two years of really bad tea. So I think we all need to change our mind a little bit and find the joy. Exactly. That's to me. That's what it's about. If I don't have joy, uh, well, I, I was actually telling a friend of mine. I said, when I die, I said I want this on my on my, my tombstone, gravestone, whatever. She died laughing, and I want that to be true. <laughs> When I go, I want to go laughing and in full joy. Well, you're the lady to do it. (laughs) You are the character. Yes, indeed, Carla. (laughs) I enjoy your humor. So you're the lady to do it. Yeah, laughter is a beautiful thing. We have belly laughs here, me and my guy. And uh, sometimes we just have to unplug entirely from social media and television and the total inundation of this the bad news reel that runs 24-7. Yeah. So, yeah, I, and I think, it, it, like as an artist, you, tr- you just have to really work hard to maybe put a positive spin on it if you're messaging um, or, or try to not not lecture people but remind them to find their center and their heart and, you know, and love their brother that lives next door. Don't be casting everybody, painting them with the same brush and, I'm really proud to live in Canada in this diversity where we welcome that. And I think we're really blessed as a country that we have that here. Um, And so I I kind of focus on that a little more. Yes, and that's that's super important, you know, is... And, of course, you wouldn't be Canadian if you didn't write about it, right? (laughs) Exactly. And I do. I try to write about... I'm... Because I'm on social media, I'm now a big proponent of, especially on Instagram, I'm sticking my little Canadian flag emoji underneath my work and whatnot. I've <laughs> <laughs> that quite a bit of weight. So, you know, and even if I have a retort to something from another country, I always put my little Canadian flag. Just saying. Um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, over here, we think this is really not a cool thing. You know, like, <laughs> I feel sorry for you, but. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> a, I want to ask you too, Brenda, because um, the, when you were reading, I had I had an emotional response 
to some of your, well, both of your readings. And okay. I want to know, like, fan base. Have you had anybody reaching out to you that have read your your uh, work um, almost to, to come say, like, you know, they like it? Or even further, that they, that they feel that you get them or that you understand or that you're somebody that they can talk maybe a little bit about an issue that they're having. Has that ever happened to you? It has happened, and that is the greatest compliment as a writer. Um that you could possibly have. But I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying I try to stay true to myself. I don't write for the masses. I write for myself. If the day I start writing to make money, it's, I've sold out. So I don't write that way. I, don't, I will not die a rich writer. I will, not be, I will not have tons of money in the bank because I sold oodles and oodles of books, that, you know, and it would be there. I could, if I wanted to write Harlequin romances, I betcha I'd make more money because, you know, those things sell like hotcakes. And I, I try to stay true to my art and like it, lump it, not like it. I, it's really meaningless uh, to me, but when I... Here's a story. Just recently happened. A girl in Timmins, poor little thing. Um, she had it on social media. She had gone to work. Somebody broke into her car and stole poetry books out of the back seat of her car. She loves poetry, and I'm reading this and going, and, and he was reading like, who would steal poetry books? <laughs> <laughs> like, who does this? And, and it was really funny to us, but. She was just really downtrodden about the whole thing. So we inboxed her and said, look, between us, you know, we've got six books out. Where do you live? You may not like the genre. You may not like our style. But she messaged us back. She was over the moon, loved the writing, said so much of this I really get. And I'm really, and thank you so much, you know, for bringing me these books. Like she couldn't believe that we did that. And I thought, well, anybody that was crying over poetry books deserves new poetry books. That was my take on it. <laughs> what? That is a really crazy story. Like, who steals oh, no, poetry I books? Know. Yeah, and, and didn't, like, left a change in her cup holder and everything. Like, left there, just stole the books. And I'm going, whoa, like, that's just a strange story, right? So, yeah, that just happened two weeks ago, and, uh, like, we just sat there in awe. I was like, who would do this? So, poor little thing. But she was quite happy with her, bo- her books and really enjoyed them. And um, we have some that we sell locally here, but we're on Amazon, and we're on Barnes & Noble, and, um, you know, and so I get some contact inboxes from people I don't know. I had some amazing, all my books have reached a five-star review from Reader's Favorite. Um, and my latest one got two reviews. One from uh, Realistic Poetry International did, did a three-page um, review of my book, which was just outstanding. I, that made me cry. I mean, the person really apparently had read every word and, and every line. And um, that was really nice to see. So I feel fortunate, but like I said, it, it, they, they don't call you starving artist or nothing. No, they <laughs> don't, you, do they? <laughs> no, no. If you look for yourself, do you play the guitar and sing to people to make money, or is it because you just love what you do? And, and that's, 
I think that when you lose that love and you become worried about pleasing the masses, then you're giving away something of yourself, I think. And that's my opinion. I don't know if that's true of everybody, but it certainly is my opinion. Well, I certainly will agree with your opinion because that nearly happened to me once. And um, it all became because of the, you know, the, the good good intentioned people around me was like, well, if you're going to do this full time, you need to make money. It became the priority. And so, you know, your performance and everything was going around guessing, what do people like? What do I have to do different? And the joy got sapped out of what I was doing. And my performances were crap. Just simply, they were crap. I remember when you did the coffee house here and you had your little stories from down home. (laughs) I did. You were just, no, you were just so funny and charming and it made me want to listen. And I think that's the gift. And if you lose that to something else and become something else, then you've taken half of your talent away. I, I, or, you know what I mean? I think the whole package is just being who you are. And, uh, yeah, and I always remembered that, Carla. It was the... I talked about it after and said, wow, that was really cool because you had some really great stories to tell and that was part of the whole show and I enjoyed that. I liked, in fact, I saw Burton Cummings this summer appear here in Timmins and his show was stellar because he told stories in between each song. I wrote this, blah, blah, blah. I remember I I was a concert pianist. I, I trained classically. And this is the first piece I wrote. And, he, and it was really fun. He took us on a journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I like to know more about just get up there and do the, here's my big hit. You know, I, I like to know about people. I'm that kind of person. So. Me too. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, and I think you're that type of performer. I, and I like that about you. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me because it's, uh, you can get, and you would know as an, as an author, you can get pretty... Um, um, mixed up and lost it out there because there's a lot going on and there's a lot of flavors and a lot of opinions and, and tastes, you know, and you just go, well, where do I belong? Exactly. So I just feel in, at this moment I'm where I am meant to be right now. And, um, hey, if anything, my five children will have my works long after I'm gone, gone and they've got a really good chunk of my brain. <laughs> so that's a really cool thing. That's how I look at it too. It's like, it's an inheritance for the, the you know, the, the family down the road, you know, the great grandchildren and stuff. They'll, they'll have something of me that they can explore and, and find a little bit about themselves out, you know, down the road. And isn't that a gift in itself? It is, because, you know, my father left me a few songs, and I am so glad he did, because, you know, I I can, if I chose, I don't, because, you know, it, it makes me sad, so, but if I chose, I could listen, and I could hear his voice, and I could hear his tone all over again. So it is a gift. Oh, beautiful. That's beautiful, Carla. Really I got to say thank you so much for being with me tonight. This was just another amazing night of of great chat. Um, so Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you said too? 
That's right. Okay. So everybody listening now, just you got to go get this because Carla's recommending it. You know, if it touches me. And I'm a hard person to touch because <laughs> I live far away. There's just a little stupid joke just to come in there. But uh, <laughs> go get some books from Brenda. You you know what? If if people have are stealing poetry, you need to go buy books about poetry because something's good in there. Something's, something is good in there. I think I need to go to bed. <laughs> There's something for everybody. I think in... You know, you, you might read a whole book and you'll find one piece and go, oh my God, I still get that. Yes. And, that, and, that's, and that's the magic, right? Yes. But oh, thank you so much for having me on. Love you, girl. And keep playing that guitar. <laughs> okay, and maybe we'll get together soon and ride around in a golf cart just on the road. I would love that. <laughs> I will try to be up there this summer. I'm planning a trip to Timmins, so I'll, I'll make sure that uh, we get together. I'd love that. All right. Thank, thank you so Thanks much, Brenda. You're very welcome. Bye now. Bye. That was author Brenda Lee Ranta, and she's from Timmins, Ontario. You're listening to Carla's Coffee House. Um, we're going to play you... Um, uh, we're kind of getting short on time here, and I did want to do uh, a, a little bit of a special here tonight. So I'm going to jump this song off. We had a death in the musician family in New Brunswick. Gary Sapier, who was um, um, number one on our station a couple of times up in the top ten, uh, passed away um, this morning. Uh, he had the Gary Cypriere Blues Band. Um, he was from Tobique First Nation, and uh, we have known each other for quite a few years. So on this note, I would like to take it out playing you, Gary Sapier. This is a beautiful song. It's called You Are My Lady. Thank you so much for tuning in to Carla's Coffee House, and I hope you tune in again. Let you 